started. All right, the topic that we are dealing with this evening is one that is um, the two groups of people. People who don't know what I'm talking about and people who think that we are dealing with uh, one of the most severe prohibitions in the world. And that is the, the issue of meat and fish, um, mixing meat and fish together and the, the issue thereon. Now, why I say this is uh, one of the two? So some people, when you say, you know, like they have meat and fish together, people look at you like, really? Like, why not? And the reason that they say, why not, is because many of you probably grew up in families or maybe even still to this day, nothing better than a, a big Rosh Hashanah um, entree that has chopped herring and chopped liver all being served on the same time in the same plate. Um, and that is that an issue. Um, similarly, you will see that many functions, even in Sydney under you know, various kashrut uh, organizations, will have meals where meat and fish are served at the same meal. Not on the same plate, but at a buffet where you will have meat and fish. And is that an issue? So um, that is where we will be talking today. Um, I will unmute people a little bit later if they want to ask questions. If you have any questions as we're going, please just um, type them up in the chat. All right. So, what are we talking about here? So, this is a Gemara in Psachim. Sistani Rabbi Kahana, Bari de Rabbi Chanina, Sava, 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 Pachafa, in Sli Betano, Asulechro Bekutra. So, the, the question that is dealing with now is when you use an oven that has got um, meat and something parav cooking at the same time, what does that parav status? So, in this case, it's bread. So you've got meat roasting and your bread roasting. Can I eat that bread with milk? So the Gemara says, no, you can't eat. It's probably is with kutach. Kutach is a, a, a curd of sorts that they would eat. It comes all over the Gemara. It doesn't sound very appetizing, but it was a mochik um, thing. And they would eat it with bread. But you can't eat this with this bread because it has a, even though it's not meat, it has a fleshic something. So then there's a certain fish that was roasted together with meat. And a rava of prazikia prohibitive eating from with kuta. So there was fish. So the same thing with bread. The fish is paruv, and eating that fish that was cooked together with meat and um, with milk would be a problem. But then comes the engine. Let me just get my little pen here. Maabarav Ashi said, even to merely eat it with salt is also prohibited because meat that is roasted or cooked with fish is bad for. Uh, excuse this odor. Uh, so, cause bad breath and for something else. So this something else is going to be the question of what we're talking about here. So, so meat and fish that were cooked together, they were cooked in the oven together. So according to Marbarab Ashi, you cannot even eat it with, well, with salt. Is question. But you can't even eat it by itself because the meat and the fish have been together. So this becomes like this huge question. So what does it mean you're not allowed to eat meat and fish together? So the Gemara brings two reasons. One is it's bad for what's called here reicha. So reicha can mean a lot of things. So it, is it, is it, it just makes you smell, so you shouldn't eat them together. Or is it talking about for something else? So what is this something else? So Rashi over here, I didn't bring the Rashi, but you'll see it in the short mouth shortly. Rashi says that it is tzara'at. So tzara'at may be familiar from, um, from a few weeks ago in Parashat, at Tazria Matsora, we talked about this, this skin affliction called Sarat. It is often translated as leprosy, but um, we don't usually think it's leprosy. And this is the way the Shulchan Aruch brings it down. It says, um, 
Now, this is Im important. Uh, sorry, let me just get my little. One should be careful to not eat meat and fish together. Because it is difficult for Tzara'at. Not difficult for Tzara'at, but it will cause Tzara'at. It, the concern over here is that the meat and fish together will create the skin ailment. Okay. So if we, if we pause for a second and we say like, well, is this trying to give me some medical advice? Is, that what, is, this, is this an absolute truth? Or is this something that this is a, a, a medical advice of Chazal? Now, what's the difference between the two? If we're talking about something spiritual, that, the sarat, that it's a spiritual malady, and sarat invariably throughout the Torah is seen as a spiritual malady. So is this true? By eating these two things together, somehow the spiritual sensitivity there can cause one to, to suffer physical symptoms being sarat, and therefore we shouldn't do it. Or is this basic Talmudic medical advice? Now, the difference between the two is that if it's Talmudic med medical advice, so we say, listen, back in those days, the rabbis thought that this was something very dangerous and, and therefore, um, and, and that's why they kept it. But now we know that this is not the case and we don't need to be concerned about it anymore. That's one approach. But if we say it's something actually, it's a spiritual thing, it's not a physical thing. So let me say, listen, the rabbis knew what they were talking about. It's a spiritual idea. And therefore, we've got to be very, uh, very careful with it, <coughs> even if we don't understand the rationale behind it. Now, it's important to note, this is, this is the only place that this, this, this law is mentioned. It's never mentioned in the Torah and the Tanakh. It's never mentioned in the Rambam. So, you know, it becomes a little question, like, how, how severe is this prohibition? So the Ramah over here carries on, and it says, this is Ramah, so the, the Sephardim, the Sephardi Halacha is that you've got to be careful not eating them together. The Ashkenazim say, V'chein en litzlot basai im dag, and therefore you shouldn't cook them, you shouldn't cook meat and fish together. Mishum reicha, miu bidyeved enu so ideally you should not cook them in the oven at the same time. Now cooking the same oven at the same time is usually meaning uncovered things. When things are covered, even meat and milk, you can cook in the oven at the same time potentially if they're covered. But uh, you shouldn't cook them together. But if you did, it is permissible. So what you really start seeing here, this term, which is, you've got to understand, one should be careful not to do something. So as soon as the Torah comes in, the Shulchan Aruch comes in, you should be careful not to, is already a sign that it's not a clear prohibition. Like if it, say, if it says, it is asur to do this, it is prohibited to eat meat and fish together. So if you say it's prohibited to eat meat and fish, it's prohibited to eat them. But you say you should be careful not to eat them. So you know, you should be careful to look both ways before crossing. But if you don't look both ways before crossing, you're not breaking a law. You're just doing something that could potentially be dangerous. So same thing over here. In the Shulchan was saying, Leish Liza, hey, you should be careful not to do this. It's a sign not that it is a prohibition, but rather it is something that we're very concerned about. So it seems already from the Shulchan Aruch that we have this, this idea that it is not necessarily a prohibition per se, but a custom or something that we are very customary to do and are very strict about, but not necessarily in the same area of, let's say, meat and milk. Now, this is going to come one of two ways. So when it comes to the prohibition of meat and milk, what you're dealing with is something that is, a, from a rabbinic point of view, the, the Torah comes and says, can't eat meat, you can't cook a kid in its mother's milk. So what does that mean practically? So you can't eat meat and milk together, or they should be cooked together and the like. 
But let's just say a little bit of milk fell in a, a, a vat of meat. So a drop of milk fell into a, a, some chicken soup. So we have a general halachic principle, which is that what's called bit, batu bit shishim. That if you have 60 times meat to one part milk, so the milk is considered as if it doesn't exist. Does this exist with meat and fish as well? Now, what, why should it be any different? If, if bitul, if this concept of nullification 60 to 1 is a general principle, why should it be any different? It says, because if you recall, where the Gemara is coming and talking about, this is that there is a certain concern, there's a certain physical danger associated with this, that by eating meat and fish together, it may be either spiritual danger or physical danger, but it is a danger for this Sarai. And we have a general rule that when it comes to danger, we are, far more, uh, we are far more concerned about a person's well-being than we are with regards to them eating something that is prohibited. So this is the way it's going to pan out. So this is another statement in the Shulchan Aruch, in the Code of Law. One should wash his hands between meat and fish and eat dipped bread in between to wash his mouth. So you're, going to, so you're having uh, fish entrees and you're going to have meat for, uh, for mains. Now... There's a very well popular custom that, uh, and I don't know, different families do things differently, that you have a lachaim after the entree. I don't know when people do their lachaim. Some people drink the whole way through the meal. Some people, you know, stone and stuff. But where the custom was, and this was how it was done in many, uh, you know, many of the families that I ate at when I was a bocha, you get your entree, which would be your gefilte fish, and then you would get a lachaim. And then you would go into the mains or the soup. Now, what was the whole rationale behind that? That was exactly this whole idea. Is that when you're eating a fish and now you're going to eat meat, you need to rinse out the mouth. So that was where the lachaim came in, especially on the Friday night. So he washed between. So says the Ramah, some say there's no concern for this unless he cooks and eats them together. But to each of them, one after the other, there's no concern. So the Ramah, the, shuk, the, the Ashkenazim come and say, listen, there's no real concern eating one after the other. It's only a problem eating it together. But the custom is to not wash one's mouth out, one's mouth and hands between, but one should eat or drink something since this fulfills Kunu Chadacha. So you should do something that rinses out the mouth so you shouldn't have any fishy residue or fleshy residue before eating the, the fish or the meat or vice versa. So that becomes the concern. Okay, so this is the custom. So we don't eat them together. If you're eating one after the other, we try to separate the two, the two and make sure that your mouth is clean or your hands are clean in between them. Last bit of the Shulchan Aruch that you'll bring. <coughs> Between meat and fish, one should wash one's hands. Because it is difficult. This is these, um, the Tzarat. This is the concern about this. this uh, and we are more stringent with regards to danger than for prohibitions. Now, I remember when I was a... Um, university students, I had a job at Savion, I was a mashkiach at Savion, and you'd have your, um, so you had fried fish and chicken schnitzels, and someone once cooked, fried the schnitzel in the oil that was used for frying the chicken, uh, frying the fish, okay, so the oil, so from, so this is exactly where the question comes up, is that since this was something that was used for meat, you can't use it for fish, and fish, you can't use it for meat. So that's where a lot of these things come up. So it's eating them together in the same plate and at the same time or cooking them together. Um, and that's where we need to be concerned about these sort of things. 
So says the Mishnah Brewer. So the Mishnah Brewer is now we're talking 20th century Ashkenaz. He says, perhaps we're not stringent anymore for this because the changing nature. So the Mishnah Brewer quotes, and this is brought down by the Magen Avraham and uh, a number of others, that listen, let's try to put things in perspective. Meat and fish is dangerous. This was... Sorry. This was a concern of in the Talmudic times. What was a concern? It was a concern as danger. But this was their medical advice. Throughout the t- Talmud, we will see multiple times where medical advice is, d- is disseminated by the rabbis. But none of them we practice today. Now, the question is, do we not practice them? Is usually in, in rabbinic uh, you know, um, thought, it's for a number of reasons. One is that we, we don't know how to do them. That's one piece of advice. Another one says that nature has changed. What worked back then doesn't work now because humans have changed, the world has changed, and everything has changed. The third approach is that, listen, the rabbis gave medical advice based on the medical knowledge at the time, but we're living in a very different time, and the medical knowledge we have today says that that which they thought worked doesn't work today. So leeches was the way, or bloodletting was a way to heal yourself in, the, in those days. We don't live in those days anymore, and so we don't, we don't do bloodletting, and so it's we know better than they did. So what the Mishnah Brewers comes in over here, sort of meat and fish, they thought it was a concern, so we're not, you know, maybe we're not that stringent about it. So you have like a whole bunch of worlds colliding over here, where you have people say meat and fish, you've got to wash your hands, it's more dangerous than uh, prohibitions, you've got to be more stringent about meat and fish than you've got to be about meat and milk, you've got to be very careful, wash your mouth out, you can't have them on the same plate, you've got to be very concerned. On the other hand, you have the Mishnah Brewer come and say, listen, maybe we don't have to be that stringent anymore, maybe we don't. The reality is, is that the vast majority of the Torah world still holds this uh, prohibitions, even though the Shulchan Aruch we said it doesn't say that it's a prohibition, rather that one should try to keep it. Nevertheless, that seems to be the way we are stringent. Now, how far does this um, this thing exist? So, in the concept of meat and milk, if I go into a person's kitchen, most people, you know, you keep a kosher kitchen, will have meat and milk. So, and some people, if they're very from, will have meat, milk, and parov. So, do I need meat, milk, parov, and fish parov? That is separate. Like, if I'm going to cook a, a fish dish, do I need to have a separate dish, you know, fish pot? That I can't, because if I, so fine, you could use a milk pot, but can I use a meat pot to get fish? Because I can't use a meat pot to cook milk, but can I use a fish? So here's the book called the Turei Zahav. He's a commentator on the Shulchan Aruch. We usually know him as the Taz. And he says as follows. He quotes from a book called the, the Oracha, uh, the uh, Isva Hetzer, which is Rav Yonot and Ibishitz. And he says, Yesh le'esor in nitzlo yachad bilti machavat tachad kli echad o'af betanu. So the only one when you need to prohibit is when they are cooked mamish next to each other without a vessel. But the vessel itself... There is no issue as long as the vessel is clean. So if you've got a clean, clean pot that's been used for meat, even if it's been used recently for meat, it's not a problem. So we have a concept that if a pot has been used in the last 24 hours, so it retains the flavor. So general sidebar here, if you, um, if you cook meat in a pot and then you don't use the pot for 24 hours and the pot is completely clean and then you cook milk in the same pot, the, the food is still kosher. It is 100% kosher. It is, uh, the pot becomes a problem, but the food itself is kosher because after 24 hours, everything from a Torah point of view reverts to becoming paraf. 
from a rabbinic point of view, we, we may be stringent and like, but we become comfortable. But with regards to meat and fish, even if within the 24 hours, if you were to cook fish in a meat pot, it would not be a problem because the problem is the meat itself, not the flavor of the meat. So flavor of meat is not a problem. So a couple of other examples. For example, if you, if you cut onions with a fleshic knife, so the halacha is if you chop onions with a fleshic knife, those onions are fleshic. And if you were to saute them in a mochik pot, you've got to ice your mochik pot. But what happens, can I, eat the, can I use those fleshic onions, can I cook it with fish? So the answer is yes. Why? Because the problem is the actual fish, not the flavor of the fish. It's not a flavor thing. It's the actual fish that's a problem. So that's what a common, a common uh, question that comes up is barbecuing fish. Can you use your regular barbecue to barbecue fish? So based on what you said now, if your barbecue is clean, now, I, I, I'm yet, despite what people swear to me, I'm yet to see a clean barbecue. But assuming that your barbecue has been um, as clean as possible and everything that can resemble flesh has been eradicated and you have scraped down, you've burnt it off and it's as clean as it's going to be, you can therefore cook fish on it because it is no, because it's just, it might be a bit of flavoring of meat there, but there's no meat on it. And therefore, it would be permissible to cook uh, meat. Um, sorry, to cook fish on your barbecue. So that's where a lot of these sort of things come up. So just to, to do a little bit of a summary up till now. So when it comes to at a, at a, um, a function, you're not allowed to have meat and fish on the same plate. And you're not allowed to eat them together at the same meal. You should not cook them together at the same time. So if you're barbecuing fish and meat at the same time, you should not have them together on the barbecue next to each other unless they're both covered. Um, and the like, and we, once once eaten one or the other, the custom is to try rinse out one's mouth between hand, be, beforehand, before eating the second one. Now, I'm going to come to Svarim in a second, but I, I want to sh- talk about a couple of practical examples. Number one is, okay, so certain sources become problems. So this is from Worcester. Worcester sauce. Worcester sauce. We used to call Worcester sauce in Worcester sauce. So if you see over here, that Worcester sauce is, contains anchovies. So it becomes a real issue on this sauce, and if you have another fish sauce they like, one can't assume that there's, oh, you know, and use that sauce on meat. Now, I don't know, I tell you where Worcester sauce, where this would be a problem, I don't know if people still do it, but we used to, when I used to play golf as a kid, not that kush was an issue back there, but uh, you used to have Worcester sauce not only on eggs, but you'd often have it on your meat parts. So that would be a tucker problem over here because you've got that meat and fish component. So let's just talk practically for a second on how we do these things vis-a-vis, um, vis-a-vis um, when we're eating. So you get a plate at a function and you put fish on your plate and now you want to have meat. So what should you do? So when I was in, so I was studying a number of yeshivas, but at the first yeshiva I was in was more of a yeshiva, yeshiva. So at the end of milk, at the end of the gefilte fish, someone would stand up and bang on the table and say, all right, hevra, we've got to you know, clear all the plates. All knives, forks, plates would all be taken away and they would hand out a lachai and then we'd go into the next course. When I went to the bush, no one said a word. You get the milk, so we'd get the, the so we didn't get gefilte fish that much in the bush, we got Moroccan fish. We get the Moroccan fish and then straight afterwards they bring out the, the chicken schnitzels. No one made any announcements. So I asked about it at the time. 
And the, the assumption was that everybody would know what to do, that you don't have to wash, you just need to wipe it down again. You just So people would you know take a napkin and wipe off their, their knife and fork and wipe their plate clean if necessary. I think we... I think we actually had separate plates because it's entree and mains. You had the same knives and forks, so people would just wipe off their knives and forks. So in the first place, people had a separate knife and fork, could not use the same knife and fork. In the second place, they used the same one, they just wiped it down. That shows you, you know, the different kinds of practices that. But on a plate point of view, you'd have to, you wouldn't have to have a clean plate, but it would have to be, all the residue would have to be gone in order to, and that is the custom. Now, is this a custom to the point that, uh, you know, this, is this a prohibition that if you see someone doing wrong, you should rebuke them? So that's, that's an interesting question. I, I, I'm not certain, but I think the idea of meat and fish, if you do know people who are not so familiar with it, so it's something that should be, um, we should check it out. Um, just, I'm not going to go back, chicken and fish. So luckily, the question of chicken, where, where does chicken fit in the world of kashrut in general? Because... Chicken, from a Torah point of view, is not meat, and therefore all chicken and milk is only rabbinically prohibited. So where does it fit over here? So the Pitchei Tshuva quotes a, an, uh, a book called the Shulit Yaakov, who says that it is the same thing. We should not distinguish. He says the Shuman, Shuman Avaz used to use duck or, or geese, uh, geese fat. Can you put it, use it to cook fish? And he says, no, it's no difference between meat and fish and chicken and fish. That's the same. Okay. The last part I wanted to bring is an interesting custom which not many people know, including the Sephardim. So this, as we've seen, meat and fish is something that's brought down in the Gomorrah as an interesting thing. The Beit Yosef, Beit Yosef was the Shulchan Aruch, the Rav Yosef Karo, 1500s in Sfat. And he said that one should not eat fish and milk together. And, and that, and it, and it goes through in the Paskins that, what, it, so he doesn't Paskin that in the Shulchan Aruch, but he mentions it in his Beit Yosef. And that becomes the source for Sfarim to not eat milk and fish together for the same reason as, as they don't eat meat and fish. Both are considered concerned. So, for example, tuna lasagna. Sfarim should don't eat tuna lasagna. Do not eat salmon and cream cheese, anything that has milk and fish together is an out from the Sephardi point of view. It's a way everybody Yosef, Paskins, I don't know if it's all Sephardi, but it's definitely brought down in the majority of Sephardi Paskins. Now, the Ashkenazim, we say, listen, top, it was a typo. It was supposed to say meat and fish, and he accidentally typed, or uh, someone of the transcribers wrote down milk and fish. But one way or another, and this is something that happens throughout Jewish literature, is that sometimes people say this custom is based on a typo, and others say no, this is what this is what it said, and this is what it meant. Now the only place is this one place in the Beit Yosef where it says milk and fish. Nevertheless, it becomes the the Sephardi psak Ashkenazim. This is what the Shach says over here that this we don't pass in this way. And definitely milk and fish for us, which is why Ashkenazim are so now you know, bagel and lox and uh, with cream cheese and lasagnas and the like. You know what would the uh, what would um, Shavuot be if you didn't have tuna lasagna? So that's sort of all the customs come Alrighty, so that is, I'm gonna just end my screen share here. And uh, give me two secs. And now I'm gonna, uh, so, okay. 
So now if anybody has any questions, I'm going to allow you to unmute yourself. Oh, you can unmute it. Unmute yourself if you have any questions on the topic, by all means, please unmute yourself. And Questions, comments, reactions? Nope. Going? Going? Thank you. Ah, okay, well, Lila, to everybody, thank you very much. Tomorrow night.